welcome to a side quest episode of Respawn Aimfire, a special barf episode, which is a backlog accomplishment, blah, 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 a backlog accomplishment <laughs> of Respawn and friends. <laughs> I think we might need to review that intro. <laughs> no, we're keeping it. We're oh, keeping no, we're keeping it. it. We're keeping I was it. trying really really hard to keep that in I, I just wanted to to let it be known really really hard well, i'm but, gonna make sure i try really yeah. hard to keep Unless it in the episode guests, you're like no i'm uncomfortable having that in there otherwise it's steam engines rolling ahead and forward <laughs> all right we're going all right so this is respawning fire the kick-ass urban gaming podcast this is our barf episode which is backlog backlog accomplishments with respawn and friends every month we pick a game um that you vote on through our patreon and decide what we've been playing each month. This month, well, technically last month now, was Majora's Mask, which we've been wanting to play for quite a long time. I am Holden Depardo. I'm here with Chad Michael Innes, Hola. our usual co-host. We also have a special guest this week, which is Alex Kozina, also known as Hello. Cozy Bear on Twitch, who is the master chef extraordinaire. Cozy Bear Live. Just Cozy Bear Live so now. that we're okay. perfectly clear. Twitch.tv slash Cozy Bear Live. Well, I mean... It's a long ass story. We don't have time to get into it. Twitch.tv slash Cozy Bear Live. From now on, I will only no res- like refer to you as Twitch.tv slash Cozy Bear Live. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> get that SEO out there. Yep. Yeah, so we'll be talking about Majora's Mask a little bit. Of, I was going to ask Alex to introduce himself, but you kind of kind of already did. So unless yeah. there's anything more you want to add there. I don't know. I feel like if you if you've been watching this podcast for the past little while, you probably know who I am. Yeah, you if are not, our first guest. I am guest. Alexander Kazina. That's yeah. right. I was. I uh, I do uh, cooking streams over on Twitch.tv slash Cozy Bear Live. I'm part of a gaming Canadian gaming podcast called Press YYZ. You know, catch me on the internet webs. Catch me on the streets after the pandemic's over. I'm a good guy. Good time. <laughs> You can so tell this is, Majora- it's been a little while since I've uh, been on a guested on a podcast in a while. I don't really know like how I'm supposed to kind of insert myself into the flow of conversation here, but hopefully I'll figure out over the course of the next hour. You're good. You're welcome. Anytime you want to interject and say something, you're good. I trust you. I feel I, like it's I, cool. <laughs> it's it's the Talladega Nights. Like I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> 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 We're going to be starting off with just a little bit of background on Majora's Mask, which doesn't really require that much background info to begin with, I feel like, because it's Majora's Mask. I think like everyone knows that it's a Zelda game, and it's one of the biggest game franchises ever. Majora's Mask is a little interesting, though, because it was the first time a Link character had been reused for a sequel game. Not the first sequel in Zelda. I'm pretty sure it's the first time there's a sequel where this is the or like the same exact Link used in the previous game. Well, Zelda so there are some maybe. people... Zelda 2, yes, I believe so. I was also going to say a lot of people contend that uh, Link's Awakening is a direct sequel to uh, the one before it, A Link to the Past, because in the manual for Link's Awakening, it talks about how Link ridded Hyrule of Ganon, but then, you know, there were concerns about his return, and so he went on an expedition. But the nature of Link's Awakening is such that you could theoretically fit it into a bunch of other spots in the timeline. Um, but I'm pretty sure that if you actually go to the official Zelda timeline, it comes exactly after A Link to the Past and is implied to be a sequel to that game. But y- you are right that like it's rare that we have Zelda games that are direct sequels to each other where you're playing as the same Link. I did not know that about Link's Awakening. That's very interesting. And basically just means that this Link in Ocarina of Time with Jorah's Mask is like nothing special. Like this is not the first roundabout, not the first rodeo Link, all right? 
needs to get over himself. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's most interesting about this Zelda game, I think, is that it is reusing the assets of Ocarina of Time, primarily so it could speed up development and get this game out. And it came out in about two years, which is faster than I think any Zelda game of the mainline kind of series in 3D has come out, which right. is super, super impressive. And that's, what I, that's actually what really kind of sets it apart, right? Is that every single time that... Nintendo puts out a new Zelda game, typically they have to kind of completely rethink from the ground up. They have to, you know, come up with all sorts of new gameplay mechanics, all sorts of, like, a completely new, refreshed art style. And this is one of the few Zelda games where they're like, now we're just going to make, like, a direct sequel where we do change up a lot of things as we'll get into it. But it's not that substantially different, uh, which is, yeah, what really kind of sets it apart. I also watched a retrospective today. It's definitely not substantially different. Ahead, I, I watched a retrospective about the, the making of Majora's Mask today as well, and apparently the idea of it and like the dungeons and things like that were born out of uh, what's the 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 dungeon designer for Ocarina of Time, NG, whatever. He's now like part of the mainline Zelda series all the time. Mm. Anyway, he was the director of this one too, and he they were they told them to make. Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time Master Quest just rearrange the dungeons and make them like different so we can resell it right. and he didn't want to do that he found that boring so he started making other dungeons secretly instead and then like partway through Master <laughs> Quest he's like hey I've been making these dungeons can we just make a new game and so they're like oh yeah yeah that sounds great let's make that as well after Master Quest is done he's like oh thank god <laughs> that's super cool so I think this is most of us have played Zelda Majora's Mask before, if I'm correct. Yes. A lot of times. Okay. I'm this is the first time I have finished it, but I've tried playing it before in the past. So this is kind of weird to say what are our initials impressions, because we kinda of all already have initial impressions. But uh Cozy, let's start with you. What, what were kind of your impressions with the yeah. playthrough of, of Zelda Majora's Mask? Yeah, so I mean, as you said, this is a game that I played many times in the past. Um, so like back in the day, uh, I had a friend who had two Nintendo 64s and through some means or another, I got my hands on one of those Nintendo 64s and I used it to gradually play through a bunch of the kind of first party hits from its uh, library. So for example, uh, you know, Ocarina of Time, Pokemon Snap, Pokemon Stadium, a couple other things. Uh, Majora's Mask was one of the last games that I played for it. Uh, this I don't remember exactly what year I played it, but I, I'd like to say it was like 2004 or 2005. So it, it had been a few years like since its release, but you know it wasn't that long ago considering that Majora's Mask was released in the year 2000. Um, and at the time, I you know was well familiar with the mechanics and you know tropes of the Zelda series having played Ocarina of Time a length of the past and a couple of others and I you know really kind of thoroughly enjoy this game it's like more or less equal for me with Ocarina of Time in terms of like my preference of it compared to the other Zelda games um the thing about Majora's Mask is that at the time that I played it, it was in that very specific period in my life, and I'm sure that we've all had these periods in our own lives where you don't particularly care about 
reading spoilers or not being spoiled to what happens in a game. And so going into Majora's Mask, I was like well aware of many of the twists and unexpected turns that it would take. I was well aware, for example, that Link would turn into a Deku scrub within the first few minutes of the game. I was well aware of the fact that the Majora's Mask is his malevolent spirit and that he's secretly controlling Skull Kid. And so there were very few like genuine surprises in that regard going into the game. And also because I didn't really give a crap, I also like liberally read guides as I was going through the game. So there were very few moments that gave me much trouble. Um, but neither of those things really kind of ruined my experience with it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, when it came around time to play the remake of the game on the 3DS, however, I was in a bit of a different place in my life. Um, but if possible, I'd actually like to save my thoughts on the 3DS remake until a little bit later in the podcast. Alex, Dad, in the absence of what you, did you think of? when you said I, through one means or another, I I acquired one of those N64s, you didn't tell us how you got it, so I made up a story it, in my brain about you chloroforming your friend in the middle of the sure. night and then moving across borders <laughs> no. to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was not... It was not nearly as malicious as that. No, it was that point in your life where you're like, ah, none of these things really have any kind of value to me. So I'm just going to like lend this game to you. I'm going to lend this entire video game console to you. And like uh, my friend did that with me and that's how I got his video game console. And I definitely did that with my friend where I had a Game Boy Advance that was, it was cracked. It still functioned perfectly but its screen was cracked and i lent him my game boy advance because i'm like hey you, you you claim that you can fix it somehow all right i'm gonna pass it off to you not really kind of putting any value in it not thinking hey maybe i should go to an actual repair person thinking that i could get it repaired there and lo and behold i never saw that game boy advance again it was just that you know time in your life yeah I believe that alibi, but I am suspicious of Chad, who's <laughs> questioned Alex on murder and asked me people I've thought about killing before the chat. People who are watching this on Chad's demand very obsessed don't with have the today. murder part in. We cut that out as part of the pre-show. <laughs> so they don't have context. So there's nothing <laughs> on record. Happened, it happened tonight. All very close <laughs> together. <laughs> Chad, why did you want to kill Majora's Mask because clearly murder's <laughs> in your mind. This was, like Alex, you know, mine. I played this game for the first time back on N64. Uh, I was 10 when the game came out. We had just gotten and beat, uh, we'd, we'd beat Ocarina of Time a trillion times, my brother and I. And um, this was a bribe. This game was a bribe for me. I was a Boy Scout. <laughs> I was a hefty Boy Scout. And... I was terrified to go rappelling at this Boy Scout camp. Rappelling, for anyone who doesn't know, is when you go to the top of this structure or a tower and you use a rope and you climb down the, the side of it. Um, and so my dad bribed me and he said, what if I buy you a video game? Then will you rappel down the tower? And I was like, yes. He's like, all right, what do you want? The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask? And he said, okay. So I got this as a bribe. Best decision I ever made because rappelling wow. also turns out to be really fun. And um, I played this game. I played the first two dungeons of this game a lot. I, as I mentioned, I was 10 when it came out. Mm. And I was still in the stage where anytime we played Ocarina of Time, I would make my brother play Jabu Jabu's Belly because it was too hard for me. And the princess carrying her around was obnoxious. So like, it, it, was that, right. it was that kind of an experience for me. So Majora's Mask is definitely harder, especially with the time constraints of the three-day window. 
So mm. I never finished it. I never got past the seven eggs in the Zora, uh, in the, the Great Bay. Yeah. Um, so I never got to finish the game until the 3DS came out. I got that Majora's Mask 3DS. I don't know why I held it upside down in real life, expecting the camera to flip it for me. Um, <laughs> mm. Look at that sexy. Ooh. When that came out, I, sa I said, you are an adult man. You no longer need people to beat Jabu Jabu for you. You're going to finish this game. <laughs> and I did. I did. So that was, what year was that? Was it four years ago? I feel like three years ago, maybe. 2016? The game came out in 2015. 2015? Okay. Jesus, was that was six years ago. Yeah. Hi, Ligashiza. Um, so yeah, I did. At that time, I beat it, and I, I got every single mask. I got Fierce Deity Link. As a kid, I was freaking obsessed with Fierce Deity Link, having never, of course, gotten to that point in the game where I could actually play as him, nor ever seeing him in anything ever than other than the official strategy guide that I had. Um, but I was mm. obsessed. So I finally got to do that as an adult and cheese the final boss. And um, I was oh, yeah. very, very pleased with it. It is uh, initial impressions and uh, and and guilty admission here. Initial impressions of beating the whole game, wonderful, fantastic maybe my favorite Zelda, definitely the coolest one of all time. Um, admission of guilt, I did not replay this game for Barf this month. I uh, <laughs> did the same thing we always do, and I kind of put it off to the last week, and then I looked at how long to beat, and I was like, what does a Zelda game take? What, 10, 12 hours? <laughs> no. No, it does not. <laughs> so I decided instead Shit. today to watch a speed run of it, a five-hour speed run, 100% speed run. And it was the very first speed run I've ever watched of anything, and those are fucking fascinating. I loved that. Yeah. So I'm going to watch Games Done Quick whenever it comes uh, back again. And then I also watched a retrospective on it as well. So I could get a little bit more context for the story outside of the speed run portions. So I'm, I'm fresh I, on everything. And I've experienced everything at least once in my life. But I like the game I, a lot. I have... I have something to confess, Chad, and <gasps> it's that I actually did not play Majora's Mask this month either. <gasps> I did the only one? <laughs> do a lot of research into it, like leading up to this episode, because there are a bunch of things that I want to get into later on in this podcast, just to refresh myself as well. But it's the kind of thing where, like, I, I also looked into, like, you know, how long is this going to take me? What else am I doing this month? And turns out it takes a lot of time to platinum neck. So, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> here's what I did do though: Majora's Mask didn't get any love. I did load up my 100% save on my 3DS today. I beat the final boss again. I jumped around, played around with all the different masks, killed some enemies, you know, went back to some of the dungeons and did a couple of things for about an hour. So I, I experienced the mechanics of it again and beat the final boss again. I had the hardest time with this game and I was going to stop playing it due to a technical uh -oh. issue, but I, I, I kept going. It would just crash on me all the time. All the time it would crash on me. I have no idea why. This is the 3DS version? The 3DS version, yeah. I would walk oh. into a room, boom, crashed. I would reload my save. It wouldn't happen. And every door, every time I'd go in somewhere, I'm like, is it going to do it again? Is it going to do it? Fuck, it did it again. Oh, <laughs> um, no. hmm. But I permeated through. I got through it. And I am I'm very mixed on this Zelda game. There are so hmm. many things that are like pinnacle high of Zelda, like the dungeons themselves. Um, but I really loathe the the time mechanic of the game. It made it. Mm. I wait. I get why it's there. It's a cool part of the story. It's a cool mechanic. But man, did it make those dungeons really stressful when 
you are trying to get all 15 stray fairies in every single dungeon and get through it and you get to the boss and go it's almost midnight on the third day like or uh, almost uh six o'clock in the morning on the first day or the third day i'm screwed i'm not going to beat this boss and then i don't beat the boss i have to go through the entire dungeon all over again and especially when it's crashing on you and just there was just a lot of factors i think that kind of like hurt my experience with this one but um Mm. yeah like i really liked the dungeons i wish i had the freedom to explore them at my own will as opposed to feeling like i had to run through them all the time mostly because i'd also Mm. forget to do this um, the inverted time song so i'd actually have less time than i really should have had because i did that to myself Um, but i really like it i just i really wish it didn't have the time mechanic and it's kind of my like initial impression on the game oh I forgot to mention, Chad and I both have the 3DS. Jace. This is important to mention. Yeah. So this is how kind of Chad and I started becoming really good friends. I is um, we, were, we always kind of <laughs> talked about... <laughs> you bribed me. Um, we, we always kind of just talked about video games every once in a while at work. Um, like we were, we were chummy with each other. Um, and I had mentioned how I wanted to get the, the Majora's Max 3DS, but they sold out already. I was really bummed. And Chad's like, you know, I pre-ordered two of them. So if you want one, uh. you know, you can you can buy one off of me and he didn't charge me any actually he didn't he didn't do a PS5 scalp situation. I'm just and that charged nice. Charged me 300 times the cost of the the 3DS. <laughs> um and so yeah, I'm like, "Hey, this dude's kind of chill." And we just started hanging out outside of work after that. So this kind of like is bringing everything full circle in the podcast. Now we're playing wow. for the podcast and the podcast would not have happened if it weren't for Majora's Mask and this 3DS. So kind of a cool thing. Kind Fun of a cool fact. thing. The man that delivered those Majora's Mask 3DSs to Chad's house might have had a casino at the end of his name. <laughs> Other fun facts. All coming together. All here together. I gave away about 50 of them for free, and you're the only person I charged for one. <laughs> so to kind of start off like talking about the whole game as a whole, I think the dungeons is probably the best place to start. Because I think if there's anything that's like the staple of Zelda, it is the dungeons themselves. So how did you guys feel about the dungeons? Was our favorite one you want to call out? Did you hate all of them? Did you love all of them? Anyone who wants to begin can go. Uh, I think as per usual, I hated the water shit. The water dungeon was so... You know, the rising levels and the different flow of the water and also get it done in three mm. days and find all the fairies and shit. And it's just like... it. There, Tried and true, water dungeons are always pieces of shit. I hated it. Absolutely hated it. And the boss mm-hmm. itself of the, the water dungeon, you know, the big old fish, wasn't particularly interesting as a fight How, for me. With regards to the boss of the water dungeon, it, it, like, how did you feel about the remake of that boss on the 3DS? Oh, wait a minute. You never played that the original yeah, version of that boss. Original, no. right? How different is it? Okay, so like I have like a document pulled up in front of me of all the changes between the uh, 3DS version of Majora's Mask and the Nintendo 64 version of the game. And so like to begin with, uh, it should be pointed out that like people had been demanding for a remake of this game for the 3DS for years before it was actually announced because one of the first big Nintendo first party games that they put out on the 3DS was Ocarina of Time 3D. And so people assumed, oh, must be super easy to just bring over Majora's Mask to the platform as well. You know, you just got to change the file name extension at the end and you're all good to go. It actually ended up taking Grezzo like 
quite a few years to adapt that game for the 3DS. And part of the reason why it took so long is because they straight up went in and like changed a lot of things in the game, including the bosses. Uh, in the original version of Majora's Mask, the, uh, it's not super obvious, particularly I would say in the case of the first and third bosses of how it is that you're supposed to defeat them. And in the 3DS remake of the game, they introduced these like giant bulging eyeballs on their designs to make it super obvious like, hey, aim for the eyeballs if you want to defeat these guys. Um, and in the like, it's funny that you say that you didn't really enjoy the th the boss of the third dungeon because the original version of that boss in the like Nintendo sixty four ship version, it's like, I, I it's not even clear how you're supposed to fight him in the first place. Like weird water physics and controls notwithstanding. Yeah, <clears throat> I had a hard time with that to begin with because the first phase you can just swim around him and do your like twist thing when you're the Zora and hit him. Yeah, and then. The second phase, you have to like knock the spike things into his mouth, and it took me a little while to figure that out. I thought those were obstacles to get out of the way at first, so I just kept knocking them to get them out of the way. And I just kept, I'm like, oh, they keep popping up, and I'm like, kept getting rid of them. Like, this boss battle is taking a long time. <laughs> yeah, all the like knocking the spikes uh, into the boss, that was like completely fabricated for the 3DS version of the game. Oh, really? In the original version of the game, like, it's been a while, but I'm pretty sure it's kind of like a free-for-all where, like, you can kind of rely on a variety of different strategies to take him down, which is one of those things where I think for the 3DS version of the game, they're like, we need to make it a little bit more obvious what you're supposed to be doing on a minute-to-minute -minute basis. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I, I didn't realize like it changes with that in general drastic. with some of the dungeons. Oh, yeah, it was a significant update, yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't really... I, I kind of feel uh, like... The loss of direction was a big problem for me in the game especially in the dungeon design it's very vague sometimes which way you're supposed to be going like i feel like especially in the water that water dungeon like to call what you're talking about chad with the rising water levels and the um specifically the switches that make the different like water platforms pop up mm -hmm. like i felt like you would do one you would hit a switch across the map of the dungeon and you have to go all the way back to the first room again to actually see that platform rise and i'm like what the hell like that took me a little while to figure out even though it was the same color i just hadn't connected and i wasn't sure what i'd even done i was really confused and that also happened in um the stone tower as well even though i liked that dungeon the best i think was, I, did, was, I think that was my favorite dungeon very too. vague yeah yeah i i think uh the stone tower temple is probably my favorite one as well i mean i think some of the vagueness of their designs just stems from the fact that like they're meant to be dungeons that you go back to multiple times maybe you like complete half of them in one day and then you load up your next day and go back them and so if they feel a little bit more maze-like if they feel a little bit kind of unconventional in terms of their design it's because they're meant to be like explored multiple times and not necessarily be explored in like a single linear fashion the way that you would like a typical zelda dungeon that's at least my kind of interpretation of their kind of confusing nature and that's where I'm really kind of caught because I think on one hand, like there's an argument that these are some of the best dungeons in Zelda, like period, especially the stone tower temple, which are, was it the stone stone tower temple? Is that what it is? I can't, whatever you guys are. I, talking I about. think so. Yeah. Um, with like, with that one in particular, there were so many things like, um, 
you have to make sure that there's a a chest on the on the ceiling when you flip it around that way you can go back there and grapple hooks you can land in the right spot and like all that's really really cool but it's so not obvious and you really have to iterate through these and do them in my case i had to do some dungeons twice to like really get get through it and i liked that because it kind of turns into a puzzle box like i kind of wish that like Stone Tower had like the flipping mechanic, which is actually kind of similar to Breath of the Wild Dungeons in terms of like in- mm. interacting with the actual <laughs> environment itself. Right. Excuse me. Um, but I kind of felt like it was just so large in sale, scale and so huge. It was just, it kind of became a little daunting, especially when there's a timer. I feel like if there wasn't the timer there, it wouldn't have bothered me as much because I would have been able to kind of freely roam around, try things out without feeling like I was wasting my time. So like it, it is like, I think one of the best dungeons in Zelda easily. Boom, that you, one important caveat. Did you use any guides at all while you were playing it? I tried not to, and then there were times where I just had to. Yeah. Like the like having the um the specifically like right before the boss room, you have to get that chest to be on the ceiling in order to get to the boss room in Stone Howard too. I had to look that up because I'm like, I don't know how to get to the boss, I don't know where the boss is. But I did because it was in that room before, but it had flipped and like it was just yeah, I was really, really confused at that point. I feel like when we had mm. when we played a link to the past, we were completely flipped where I was where you are, I was like, man, everything is so fucking vague and I have no idea what to do or where to go and it's impossible. <laughs> How are you supposed to know about the fucking chicken in the well or whatever it was? And you were like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I've just played it so many times that it's just second nature for me now. But me playing as an mm-hmm. adult for the first time, I was like, Jesus, this game is broken and the signposting is awful. <laughs> and so it's a little bit flipped. <clears throat> and, and that's mm-hmm. one of those things where like, I, I will fully admit that I am very biased with this game because as I talked about at the front, this is a game where I had no reservations about reading guides the full way through to help me get through the experience. And I, I, I'm really curious like how I would feel about this game if I had no access to any guides, if I had no access to the internet, and I was just trying to figure out how to make my way through the world of Majora's Mask without any help at all. Would I be sitting here being like, oh man, this is one of my favorite Zeldas? Or would I be like, yeah, this game's... I, I would be right where Holden is, where it's like, yeah, this game's really kind of vague and really not very handholdy. It's definitely for Zelda pros, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but I would never recommend this as someone's first Zelda game ever. Like, no chance of yeah, that. Oh, but I think for this sure. would ever be the first game. There's There are a few things they did in this new 3DS version. Like, they have the, the hint yes. system with the little things you can crawl in. I remember using that a lot. Yeah, the, the Sheikin Stone. Yeah. The Sheikah Stone. <clears throat> mm-hmm. They also had, like, for side quest, keeping track of side quests, they made some updates to the Bomber Notebook and things like that, yeah. too, right? Yeah, they like significantly overhauled it to make it way easier to keep track of like what events are happening and at what times throughout the day. Yeah, I remember using those quite frequently when I played it on the the 3DS. Yeah. And then as I mentioned earlier, when I was playing it on Nintendo 64, I had the Prima official strategy guide, like reading through it, you know, more often than not just drawing the pictures over and over, but also reading through it to figure out what to do next <laughs> as well. Yeah. They also introduced a bunch of new save points as well. Previously, in the original version of the game, to save, you had to save at those owl statues. Mm -hmm. And for the 3DS remake, they introduced a bunch of, like, feather statues that serve as, like, uh, additional save points. Mm -hmm. Can I just mention, while we're talking about the 3DS version... I just want to throw out yeah. there just like how bummed I am that 3D didn't take off as like an, a thing across media. Yeah. Because going back and playing it today, I was like, geez, this just adds so much to this game playing it in 3D right now. I miss it. I miss it a lot. 
It's great. I turned it off. I, I, it's cool. Oh my god! Like, mm, the oh, battery. Really? I just want that battery. <laughs> I want the battery life. The 3DS has like notoriously terrible battery life. Mm-hmm. Mm. But when you have the 3D off, it's not that bad. It's actually better than even the Switch. So, which the Switch doesn't have great battery life, to be fair. <laughs> Yours doesn't. But um, the new okay, ones so don't they have like, like five kinda... to seven hours. Yeah, but I have the OG, Man, so I don't even know about the new ones. <laughs> Um, so it sounds like we're kind of all on the same page with the dungeons that we all in terms of like our favorite we all like stone um stone tower temple the best yeah and yeah I, you didn't say anything cozy but did, did you not like the great um great bay temple as much as we did because we did not seem to like that one as much <laughs> uh I, I enjoyed it fine it, it, it's definitely a better water dungeon than the water temple from ocarina of time yeah I would agree. Uh, at least that's my my take on it. I, I can see some people being like, I did not love it as much. What makes um, the Water Temple in Majora's Mask more bearable is that swimming around as Zora Link is just a little bit more enjoyable than swimming around as Adult Link in Ocarina of Time, IMO. Um, but, you know, neither is a perfect dungeon. I think I just don't like swimming. I think I hate swimming mechanics, and I haven't found a game that does it mm-hmm. in a way that I enjoy it. Because that was a big problem for me, in not only in that, but also in like getting the eggs and like just navigating that whole Great Bay area. I just hate swimming in games. The eggs were awful. That was that was terrible. That was by far. Especially if you the, don't have enough bottles and you have to do it like one or two at a time. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. I so, wouldn't be surprised if that was the reason they increased the bottle count for the 3DS version. Yeah, so fun fact, I actually came to the realization uh, when you brought up the egg quest a little bit earlier, Chad, that the first time I ever played Majora's Mask, I'm pretty sure that I got to the egg section and stopped playing the game. And then the next time I picked up Majora's Mask, I started from the beginning and then that I was able to get through the egg section. And that was the first time I was able to actually go through and complete the game. I think that is this like I hear that from so many people who never finish this game is that they got stuck at the eggs and that's like everyone's story. Even getting yeah. the eggs, the falling the seahorse thing, you take one wrong path and then you're done. Or like it shows you on the three S version at least it shows you the path afterwards. So you've already used the seahorse, so you can just kind of go back and like go through the same path again. It shows you on the map. But staying in that path, it is so narrow. Oh, not, not enjoyable. It was not fun. <laughs> Did not like. I think another thing too is that there's a lot, in this game, there's a lot you have to do before getting to dungeons. Yeah. More so than other games. Yeah, which I mean, I'm not, uh, I, I, I personally, uh, like the the seahorse uh, rescuing the eggs from the eels part aside, I actually enjoyed a lot of the pre dungeon stuff in this game. Like I like Zelda games where there is a narrative uh, tied into each individual dungeon. There's like some smaller group of people that has their own kind of issues going on, and you have to help them out. Um, recently, I've been playing through the remake of A Link's Awakening for the first time, the uh, Switch version. And that game is great, but I will say that a lot of the stories that you have to do before you tackle each of the dungeons in the game kind of range from, oh, this is kind of interesting to, oh, this feels kind of filler-ish. Like, there's one where you have to take a a chain chomp for a walk to uh, clear the 
entrance to a dungeon and it's kind of like okay and then there's another one where you have to help this character called richard retrieve these like treasures from this castle and it's like this is more interesting from a lore perspective but also this doesn't really have much to do with the dungeon in question that i'm trying to get to it, it is cool that in this game the each of the four individual dungeons are a little bit more tied into the histories and lore of the kind of different groups and habit the four quadrants of the world that you're exploring whereas it, it can often feel sometimes in the zealous series like the dungeons are kind of disconnected from everything else around them that they, they just kind of exist for the point of existing um so i, I do want to shout that out yeah i think in going back to stone tower temple that one has the best introduction i think by far to one of the dungeons is going into the uh was it like a kind of castle or something like that and um using the mirror shield actually even just using the mask to um blend in with the undead dudes that don't even attack you mm -hmm. they're just like dancing in place that was hilarious and awesome and i think one of the cooler mini bosses in the game too which is um the, the two skeleton knights and the skeleton like kind of king sitting on the throne like that was really cool that kind of felt like thematically it fit into the next dungeon really well um i think that was like the, just that that dungeon set is just the highlight of the game by far but Zora eggs, screw them. Can we talk about yeah. the masks and how cool the masks are? Like, it's a huge mechanic in this game. Is obviously mm. there's the transformation mm. masks. Is it though? Is there a big mechanic it, in the game? It's not the name or anything, Chad. I don't think we need to talk about it. Um, <laughs> obviously there's the transformation masks with you know the the Deku and the the Zora and the Goron mask, um, which give you like a more so than I think any other Zelda weapon or collectible or or like tool. I think those like provide a whole new, completely different game style for each one of those. Mm. But I love that there are you know, what twenty four other masks in the game that all are like significant and actually change the gameplay for you a little bit too. Like the one that makes the zombie people just dance and you kind of blend in with them. Yeah, um, there are a lot of like secret functionalities to some of these masks that you wouldn't even know about or like masks that will trigger unique conversations when you use them to talk to certain people that really kind of enrich the experience in ways you weren't anticipating yeah when you're fighting the uh the twin snakes twin i forget the name the actual name of the boss um twin mold twin mold yes when you're fighting twin mold and you can put on that the stone mask and become giant and just start fucking going ham on them like cat mario and bowser's yeah. fury <laughs> that was uh by the way that was another boss battle that was substantially changed uh from the original version of the game Ooh, how so? in the original version uh so in the original version uh you actually obtained the giant's mask like part way through the temple before the boss battle Oh, interesting. Um, and when you get the mask, it's like, oh man, what a mysterious mask. When will you get to use it? So they changed it in the 3DS remake so that you only get the mask midway through the boss battle, which I, I totally get that change because it's kind of like, we might as well give you the mask before you're actually supposed to use it instead of giving it to you at this sort of weird random point where you could theoretically forget about it in time between then and the actual boss battle. Um, and also, when you actually grow to giant size in the middle of the boss battle, um, in the original version of the game, Link just wields his sword. And in the remake, Link like kind of grapples him with his hands. He doesn't rely on any additional weaponry. I liked it being in the middle. I didn't know they changed that. Because I had 
Yeah. I had already known that you were going to become big in a boss battle. Just I've seen retrospectives on Majora's Mask before. I knew that boss battle was coming, but I didn't know that it was twin. There were two of them there. I just thought you fought this big snake as a giant yourself. So when I get in there and I'm not doing that, I'm like, I could have sworn that I was going to become a giant in this area, but there's two of them. So I killed one and I'm like, oh, I... I guess that's it. I, I guess that's what the boss battle was. Interesting. And then it like phase two starts after you think it's done. It's like, psych. Mm-mm, it's not over yet. That was a cool moment for me. That was a really cool moment. Yeah, that's a change in the 3DS remake of the game that I thought w- was actually for the better. And I think actually bettered the experience. Yeah, I definitely awesome. wouldn't have thought to use that. If I got it midway through the dungeon, no way. I would have been going into random rooms and being like, maybe if I put this on, something happens. I would have yeah, no idea. Yeah, because you read like the description it. of it. It's like you can only use this in certain areas, and that's like as vague as it is. You're like, well, I'll try it in a few, and if it doesn't Literally work, then I'm going to stop trying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the masks, I didn't do too much with the masks outside of the mandatory ones, mostly because the masks are largely kept to side quests. And I mm. didn't really enjoy the side quests that much in the game, mostly because of the time mechanic. Mm. Uh, side quests just turn into wait, go here, wait, wait for something to happen at this time, and I didn't, I didn't enjoy that. I was. I really liked them because or I you can felt only like, go here at this day. I feel like they were what gave the game its character a little bit. Like it's it's yeah. dark. These people are like. We know death. Like the, there's a married co- or a couple that's that's you know, like to be married. They're, they're supposed to be married, but complications have ensued. Right. And as a result, it's like, oh, are they going to be married at all? Yeah. Are we even going to be married before the world ends and the moon is crashing down? And then like two hours before the moon comes, they're like, fuck it, let's get married anyway. I don't care. Let's profess our yeah. love for each other right here in front of everyone, and then we'll die together. And like that kind of shit Holden, is dark. Did you did you complete that side quest, Holden? I do not think so. Yeah, so that side quest, it's Anju and... I, I forget what the purple-haired guy's Cafe, name is. Ca- Cafe? Ca- yeah. See, the problem is, is that not only do I not remember his name, but I remember his name also being difficult to pronounce or, like, its pronunciation not really being clear. Um, so, like, that side quest in Majora's Mask is, like, the most well-known and also longest of all the side quests in the game. And... Like, there's, like, one part where straight up you basically go into, like, a miniature dungeon alongside Cafe, and, like, you actually switch between Link and Cafe at various points to complete the dungeon together. And, yeah, as Chad was talking about, it culminates in you basically going to meet up with Anju, uh, the the 2B bride, uh, basically in her room, and waiting until, like, two minutes before the world is supposed to end hoping uh, praying against all odds that cafe will come and join her in their final moments and thankfully he finally does come at the very very last minute and it's this really touching moment of oh man you came you managed to kind of make it at the very very end that's nice i didn't see it (laughs) (laughs) i like those a lot or even dealing with like the the did you do the mailman one where he's no the, so the, I, I the only time i thought about that one was when you're in the the first three days and you're, they're just like just wait wait around just wait around for the moon and i'm like oh i the mailman says he's not he's supposed to be out and about at these hours or he's supposed to be back in his room at these hours but i can never get in the room and i just i'm like yeah screw the mailman i don't need to deal with him 
Uh, it, that that's another like one of those stories where he's just like I'm I'm freaking out like I am internally I am screaming the world is coming to an end in three days but my job is so important and I have to stay here and deliver the mail to people and then finally you like take that burden from him you give him a priority piece of mail and he's like oh thank God he can take it and he can run and you're like I'll take over your job don't worry and so, like those kind of struggles you don't really see in like existential struggles you don't see in a Zelda game it's usually like. Oh no, yeah. my chickens aren't in the coop anymore. Oh, what am I gonna do? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I really love bananas. Too bad there aren't any bananas around here. If only somebody could give me bananas. <laughs> I know, but George, I'm not George or the freaking Run aliens. The wild actually had some really good side quests like that, like mm. Tarrytown. There are aliens in this game. Like legit coming mm. to abduct your cows and this girl's like, I've I've had nightmares about these aliens and you gotta go and freaking stop the aliens oh. in the middle of the morning and save the cows and then they're coming to steal the milk and and if you don't do it, then the cows get abducted, she gets amnesia and she's like, Who are you? And her sister's just like, Oh my god, I should have listened. I can't believe this happened to my families. Those are where I, I think did that's like see the, that the one secret goal. The first time I played the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure you have to complete that quest if you want to complete the game because you need a Pona to oh, be able right, to get right, to right. the source yeah, domain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, talking about the two farmhands, though, I will say, like, one of the things that I really like about this game, and this, you know, I feel is a good kind of bow on us talking about all these side quests, is that I feel like of all the Zelda games, Majora's Mask has the most uh, character conversations, character interactions that don't serve any other purpose other than to kind of help flesh out their relationships with one another. Like, I feel like most of the time when I play a Zelda game, I'm looking at a guide and I'm trying to figure out, all right, what characters I need to speak to to get, you know, all the heart pieces, all of the sword power-ups, all the information and, you know, keys that I need to get to the next uh, area. And I feel like Majora's Mask has the most bits of dialogue and conversation where it's just like, no, this is just the characters kind of like hashing out how they feel about each other, how they feel about the, you know, predicament that they're currently inside of. Um, I just shared a clip with the two of you uh, that I implore everybody else to uh, go and check out. Um, basically, if you want to go and check out this clip yourself, um, it's a YouTube video called Majora's Mask colon Secrets. And around the three and a half minute mark, uh, there's a conversation that uh, you can encounter in the game between Kremia, which is the older of the farm girls, and uh, Romani, which is the younger of the farm girls. It occurs on the uh, third day in Majora's Mask, slightly before nightfall. And basically what's going on is the older sister's like, hey, Romani, um, I previously had denied giving you Chateau Romani, which is like our souped up milk that we make here on the farm because I said that uh, you would have to wait until you were an adult for me to give it to you. Um, but tonight is a special occasion and I'm going to give you the Chateau Romani and we're going to go to bed together and we can share a bed together and we'll have a good time this evening. And the younger sister's like, okay, sounds good. Um, doesn't seem, you know, out of context, doesn't seem like that significant of a scene. However, if you played Majora's Mask and you visited the milk bar in Clocktown, you'll know that this specific kind of milk, Chateau Romani, is 
basically heavily implied to be alcoholic. Ingo, the like weird circus performer guy, like is seen with like a huge hangover uh, one of the days after being at the milk bar. It's implied that if you were to give this kind of milk to a child, she would probably be pretty loopy and out of it. And knowing that basically the world is about to end, that the moon is about to crash down into the earth and kill everyone, it's like, oh, the older sister is giving her younger sister alcohol allegedly, because this is a T-rated Nintendo game, so that she can possibly sedate her so that she doesn't experience what's about to happen. Yeah. It reminds me of, like, on the Titanic, whenever, if you've seen the movie, when the the mom is trying to comfort her Irish kids as, like, the hull is just filling up with water, and she's, like, sh- and just, like reading them a bedtime story or something like that. Super tragic. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's some dark. That's why it's as dark as Zelda game. Yeah, <laughs> that w- that would be why. <laughs> Not to mention just taking cool. this poor orphan out in the middle of the woods and possessing him and forcing him to do all this shit and little old skull kid. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that was really sad too. Because all the giants are like, "Don't hurt your friend," and it's like they're talking about skull kid. Like, don't hurt. Don't. He didn't do anything wrong. It's not his fault. Yeah. yeah How fucking stuff. cool though. How iconic. Is that Majora's Mask? That maybe is the coolest thing in video, like the coolest, most iconic thing in video games. Maybe not iconic because mm-hmm. like Mario and the Pokeball and things like that are, but it's the coolest symbol in video games, I think. It's also probably one of the yeah. least played Zelda the, games too, which is kind of funny that that's still one of the most recognizable icons in Zelda. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the guy that designed the mask recently retired from Nintendo, correct? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't I hadn't heard that. Let me quickly look that up. It is uh, it is definitely the centerpiece of one of the tattoos I'm I'm designing as well. It's just so fucking cool. And I remember as a kid too, like I planned. I never actually made it, but I planned out. You know, I was gonna get a, a piece of plywood and I was gonna carve it out. And then I was gonna like use a Dremel to make the inside to make it actually be like a mask. I was gonna make my own Majora's mask. I never ended up doing it though, mostly because I was a lazy fat kid who re- would rather play video games. Uh, so the Nintendo designer in question is uh, Takaya Imamura. Uh, he was a designer on games like Star Fox, X- F-Zero, and The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. According to this Polygon article, though, that I'm reading about Majora's Masks, uh, about the sorry, about Takaya Imamura's retirement, though, it seems like he didn't... It, it's not clear if he designed the mask itself. He did, however, design Tingle. That's his big claim to fame, which we have not even brought up the fact that this is the first Zelda game with Tingle in it, oh, which is Tingle. super duper weird when you think about it, because you'd think that Tingle would like be introduced to the series in a more, you know, carefree and <laughs> lighthearted game and not this one. Yeah, Wind Waker was my first introduction to Tingle, which made a lot more sense. Yeah. What a weird guy. What a weird, weird guy. He reminds me a lot of Buster from Arrested Development. Yeah. Like, just doesn't know how to Except exist no in a social public space, really, and a, a, a big old mama's boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Tinkle, not my favorite Zelda character. Not even <laughs> no, close. Me Although, we played, uh, we played MASH a couple weeks ago, and it turns out I'm marrying Tingle, so... I'm going to have to get used to him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
Well, uh, do we have any kind of final thoughts on Majora's Mask before we we wrap things up? Uh, I, I do want to just take a second to talk about a couple of thi- other things in the oh, 3DS right. remake. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, I, I feel like we, we've already, you know, talked quite a bit about it. We've talked about some of the changes that were made uh, to the game. Uh, like overall, like I, I enjoyed the 3DS remake of Majora's Mask when I played it, but... You know, I was in a little bit of a different time when I played it. I think that uh, my kind of intricate, deep knowledge of all of the dungeons in the game, knowing how to kind of like fly through it and some of the changes that they made to the experience that I was not super happy with kind of soured me on it a little bit. I think that overall, the 3DS remake of Majora's Mask is a great version of the game. And I think that if you've never played Majora's Mask before, that should probably be the first uh, place that you play it. Um, but I do think that if you beat it and you're like, okay, I really love this game. I want to play it again. I want to experience it again. I want to get everything that there is to get out of Majora's Mask that you should give the Nintendo 64 version a try. Um, earlier I talked a little bit about the design of some of the bosses and I talked about how like in the original version of, uh, Majora's Mask on the Nintendo 64, it wasn't super clear, like how you beat this fish boss in the third dungeon and how in the 3ds remake they introduced like the you know huge uh gaping eyeballs and like all these weird new puzzle mechanics uh like the things that you're supposed to ram into the fish while as zora link and it's like ultimately i think that these things that they introduced in the 3ds remake made sense from the perspective of we need to kind of make it a little bit more obvious we need to signpost more what it is that we want the player to do but i feel like things like the giant eyeballs and other aspects of the game that are a little bit more granular kind of messed with i feel like the original design aesthetic that they were going for in the nintendo 64 version and i again i implore everybody who plays the 3ds version of the game to check out the nintendo 64 version if you enjoyed the 3ds version and you want to get more out of majora's mask from what i understand there's also actually i I had this gamecube disc there's a gamecube disc that has yeah both ocarina of time and majora's mask on it which of course is playable on wii if you have a wii still around um, and then Virtual Console for Wii, if you still have that available too. So, like, there are ways you can get your hands on that N64 version, even if you don't have an N64. Hmm. That's a good point. You should probably, it, although I feel like that disc is probably kind of hard to come by nowadays. Probably. Although there, there are yeah. other ways, obviously, that you can play Majora's Mask if you look for them. We're, we're not going to endorse anything, but, you know. Wink, wink. I endorse chloroforming uh, your friends who have N64s, <laughs> taking them, and playing Majora's Mask. Um, th- there's one more thing that I also just uh, want to shout out here before we close out the episode. I'm going to post this in the chat. Um, back in the day, one thing that really kind of left me in awe um, was this kind of fan theory slash super long essay called the message of Majora's Mask. What I'm posting is um, a link to, I believe, a copy of the essay, because I'm pretty sure that the original version of the essay was written in like the mid 2000s. And this one is dated to 2012. Um, And this was originally written by a person called Hillian Dan. And I will not go through the entirety of the essay, but basically it details how this uh, person, Hillian Dan, believes that 
there were all these little like secrets and hints and like uh, kind of signs strewn throughout Majora's Mask to suggest that there's this larger conspiracy going on that basically ties together the worlds of both Termina, which is the world of Majora's Mask, and Hyrule, the world of the other mainline Zelda games. Um, one of the examples of this that he cites, for example, is um, in the Stone Tower, in the lead up to the Stone Tower Temple, uh, there are these like cubic blocks that have these like gargoyle like textures on them. And these gargoyles on their buttocks are licking a image of the Triforce, which <laughs> first time that you see it in the game, you might not think anything about it. You might think, oh, whatever, that's super weird. But then when you really think about it, it's like, huh, it's odd that there's an image of the Triforce here, considering that we're in Termina and not Hyrule. And in Termina, the creation myth of Din, Nehru, and Ferrari, which you're familiar with if you've played Ocarina of Time, does not exist here. Like those goddesses and the Triforce are not part of the mythos of Termina. So why is the, the Triforce here? And basically this article goes into extensive detail explaining uh, how all this makes sense and explaining how actually it's like part of this crazy like behind the scenes mythos about how like the ancient people of Termina tried to go to the heavens to fight the gods and how they didn't succeed in doing so and it's all really cool uh, unfortunately to bring it back to some like disappointments with the 3DS remake they actually removed the uh, the texture of the gargoyles licking the Triforce from the 3DS remake. And I don't know if it was like an intentional move on Nintendo's part to try and dispel some of these theories or just like a modeler who didn't realize who, what he was doing, who thought, huh, that's a real weird texture and decided to uh, basically make it something a little bit more normal when he was working on the remake and didn't receive any input from anyone. Uh, but regardless, uh, it's if any of this is of any interest to you, go check it out. It's uh, again, this article is called the message of Majora's mask. Give it a read. I will also, uh, for the video you shared earlier and with this article, I will put them in the, the notes for anyone listening to this on podcast or watching on YouTube. It's in the notes. Hell yeah. Cool. Cool. Chad, do you have any closing thoughts on Majora's mask? My last closing thought is that I, I need more more media around Majora's Mask. I sent you the video. I sent you both the video, actually, of the I can never Ember Labs. Ember Labs, who's making Keenan Bridge of Spirits. Yeah. They did a like five years ago, six years ago, a short film about you know Skull Kid finding Majora's Mask and it taking him over and like freaking. It, it's it's incredible, and it just makes me want more. I want the Netflix Zelda show that apparently got canceled, and I want that to just have like an entire season devoted to Majora's Mask lore and mythos and all that. I want it. That's it. In fact, I think cool. every other game cool. should be focused on Termina and Majora's Mask, and we should get out of Hyrule and stop with Kakariko Village and Mount Doom. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. I'm bored with those. That I'm ready dangerous. for more. I would love all of that stuff as well, but I, I feel like it's not in Nintendo's nature to kind of revisit an idea so thoroughly uh, like what you're describing, yeah. unless it's like a, it's only a few years after and they decide to make a direct sequel to it, like with Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time. But obviously even then you can make the argument of like, well, neither game is like directly connected to each other. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, 
I guess the only thing I would want to add to what I've been saying is, um, I, it was, it's actually kind of funny because I, I did not mean for this to be a response to what you just said, Chad, but I, I'm, I wasn't a huge fan of Termina. It was fine. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm happy to go back to, to uh, Hyrule again, but, um, I appreciate that they did make that risk and I'm not necessarily opposed to them making a similar risk as well because even though this game aesthetically looks the same as Ocarina of Time it really does a lot of truly unique things for the Zelda franchise that I would like to see returned to um, again in terms of just experimenting and I really hope that that's what we're going to get with Breath of the Wild 2 I'm starting to get more hyped on that game after playing this because this is using this Breath of the Wild 2 is using the same engine um, and they are taking a lot longer to make this one than they did Majora's Mask. I'm kind of feeling like they would really do that, I would hope, if they had some things to do that are different and approaching um, things from a different perspective. Um, they have a groundwork now with Breath of the Wild, so I'm like, maybe Breath of the Wild 2 will kind of be much more experimental. They certainly did it with Majora's Mask, and that was a risky time to make a huge... Um, a huge change like that. Ocarina of Time was the first time that you had a 3D Zelda, and the second one, they're like, let's just go crazy with it and see what we can do. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of more hyped about Breath of the Wild 2 now to kind of see maybe they will go... It's not just going to be Breath of the Wild 2. It's like there's going to be something a little bit more to it than, yeah. than just that. And I'm ready for so, it to be um, like... Cool. And it seems like Breath of the Wild 2 might be leaning a little in this direction. I'm ready for something a little bit more dark and mature, kind of like Majora's Mask was, or... Even a little bit they, of Twilight Princess. I believe they said in an interview it's going to be darker. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I just hope the treasure chests also have things in them that I want. So that's it. But this is not a Breath of the Wild podcast. <laughs> don't, get, don't get too crazy there, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be lots of opal. You will find lots of opal. Oh, fucking great. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that was our um, barf jump. Backlog accomplishment. I can't say that. I just can't say it. Every time I try to say it, this whole episode, I can't do it. This is our barf, our backlog accomplishments with Respawned Friends episode on Majora's Mask. Again, I'm holding the Pardo. I'm here with the co host as usual with us, Hola. Chad Michael Innes. Hola. And Cozy, do you want to um, kind of plug your stuff one more time before we end? Hell yeah. Uh, sorry, Chad, did you want to go first, sir? Uh, yes, you can find me right here. Okay, your turn. Okay. Uh, yeah, if you want to uh, find me on t- the interwebs, you can, of course, find me over on Twitter at twitter.com slash Alex Kazina. I really want twitter.com slash Bear, but I'm unlikely to ever get that handle. It's a big, long story. Uh, you can find me on my personal Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Live, K-O-Z-I-B-E-A-R-L-I-V-E. I used to stream video games on that channel, and recently I made a major switch up there, and now... I exclusively stream myself making food on that channel. Uh, It's weird and (laughs) certainly a pretty substantial leap from playing video games, but it's been a real, real fun time. And we are only getting started there. Food, though, right? Uh, Yeah, the idea is that uh, I stream every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time a like video game inspired dish. So, like for example. something from the official Overwatch cookbook or this upcoming Tuesday I'm going to be making the curry recipe that was recently given out to people uh, on the press list for Persona 5 The Phantom Strikers for example Um, and every Friday I will uh, at 4pm Eastern Standard Time I make something that's 
kind of a little bit more free form, free for all, whatever is sort of on my mind that I feel like whipping up in my kitchen. Um, of course, if you want to see me on more video game-ish related stuff, you can go to twitch.tv slash pressyz where you can watch the video game podcast I co-host and also occasionally catch gameplay streams where I do video gamey stuff there. Awesome. Very cool. I have one last thing I want to say. We met Alex through Year of the Guest, where we had a bunch of guests from a bunch of places come over and be on our show. We're doing it again, and if you want to be just like Alex and be right here with us, go to affableidiots.com. Very first block on that website is a survey to submit and, and be on our show. Do it. That's it. Do it. All right. Thanks for joining, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.